out of Austin, Texas. You're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. Hello, everybody. Day 57? 58? 100 days of calling. I'm going to go ahead and just do what I normally do and invite all the people. So they are all invited. Um, so today is the privacy legal roundup. I've been kind of putting it off until the AI show date, which is usually... I'm considering maybe doing an AI show aside of the Unsanctioned Citizen, which would mean even more programming, which I'm not totally fired up about, but because it means more work. But, um, you know, maybe maybe I should try to revive that because it's, it's just AI. But this is privacy and legal and technical stuff. So I wanted to cover a lot of things today. But I think one of the things I want to get out of the way as soon as I can is the the novel Elon Musk Twitter saga that is ongoing. So you deserve to know what's going on, so I'll just catch you up. So, um, the judge there was a judge who denied Elon Musk's request to delay Twitter trial following a whistleblower disclosure, and that was Mr. Mr. Mudge, Zatko. So, a Delaware judge on Wednesday denied Elon Musk's request to delay his trial with Twitter over their $44 billion acquisition deal after a former top executive alleged the company had serious security vulnerabilities. However, Musk's team will be allowed to add arguments based on the former executive's whistleblower disclosure to its case arguing the Tesla CEO should be allowed to walk away from the deal. The trial is set to run for five days starting October 17th. Musk's attorneys last week moved to push back the trial about a month and asked the judge for permission to update their counterclaims in light of the disclosure from former Twitter security head Peter Zacco. Zacco alleged that Twitter had misled Musk and the public about the prevalence of bots and spam accounts on his platform, an issue that Musk had made central to his arguments to the end of the deal. Musk's team last week also filed an additional termination letter claiming that Zadko's allegations, including that Twitter has grave security violations and that it is in violation of a 2011 FTC order, consent order, provide additional justification for Musk to exit Zidil. So that's what's up. So that was Wednesday. A couple days ago, on Thursday, Sacco got a $7 million payout from Twitter to keep quiet. So let's just read a little bit about that. Musk cites $7 million Twitter payout to Whistleblower as a violation of the deal. So Elon Musk told Twitter on Friday... He has no obligation to complete his $44 billion purchase of the, of the company, this time citing the recent disclosure that had gr- agreed to pay whistleblower Peter Mudge, Zatko, and his lawyers $7.75 million in a severance deal. Holy cow. <laughs> if someone paid me $7.75 million to shut up, I think I'd consider it. <laughs> 
So in a letter to Twitter, Musk's lawyers said the payment violated a provision in the sale agreement that barred Twitter from making any severance payment that was not, quote, in the ordinary course of business consistent with past practice. The termination letter said Musk learned of the June payment only on Saturday when Twitter revealed it in a court filing. Musk's attorneys have filed two other notices of termination on other grounds, which I just read to you. Uh, they said that they were filing a third case in the Delaware Chancery Court where Twitter has sued to enforce the purchase of the contract, determines that the first two had not cited valid reasons for termination. Twitter submitted its payout agreement with Zadko with the court ahead of hearing this week in which Musk successfully sought to amend his countersuit to include Zadko's claim in a whistleblower complaint to the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, among other... Zacco said Twitter had violated its data protection settlement with the Federal Trade Commission. Mm-mm-mm. So what was it? The original article where they paid much. I was like, this is, woo! Must cite $7 million Twitter payout deal to whistleblower is a violation of deal. So that's just a redundancy. Just a copy of a copy. So that did happen. Twitter Paid that guy seven point seven five billion to keep it quiet after he booed a whistle. So I think it's kind of I don't know. It's that he was subpoenaed, but I hope they got all the information before he took the money. I, I think it's kind of interesting. Anyhow, um, let's try inviting all the people again. Do do do. All right, I'm gonna move on to the FTC business. So. A lot of privacy legal this week. <clears throat> Where do we begin? So I'm going to begin with, you know, this dog and pony, the IAPP. But first I shall read a statement. Statement ready. So the FTC needs to share regulator duties and powers of enforcement directly with the consumer. I don't think any of their 95 questions that they posed this week actually included sharing enforcement directly with the consumer. There was some civil that's been posed in the ADPPA, but what that means is that they need to coordinate self-ownership and property rights with the Securities and Exchange Commission and with the FCC. So the SEC has the regulatory authority to manage claims of monopoly and of price fixing. The U.S. consumer currently has no control over the pricing and transactional brokerage of their data. They just don't. They have not appointed any one federally controlled brokerage to manage the price or any regulatory issuance of price controls over the Fed formulas as it applies to the data or the conversion of, of it into a monetary valuation. Data brokerages make money on the data property by cloning it and reproducing it in order to make additional money from these transactional duplicities. <clears throat> So I recommend a commission involving all three agencies to convene to ensure the person, the American person, guarantee personal security by placing strict limits and strict regulatory controls on the transactional trafficking of, a, of personal data, which is currently occurring and will continue to occur as surveillance with the current ADPBA and the FTC's current regulatory trajectory. They're not going to actually stop this. They are just going to launder it as legal. So then a consumer, if they do this, 
If they do what I propose here, that the a consumer consumer may indicate, they may say when a transactive actor behaves transgressively against their property, the agency and the individual both may pursue public and private actions to retrieve damages, both reputational and to retrieve any money garnered from that surveillance and unauthorized transactions against their consent. So enforcement is lacking to injunct any of these transactions. Okay, fines have become merely a government paywall from at the FTC. They just pay the U.S. Treasury. Like, here you go. We'll continue to abuse the data of Americans. It's just a paywall. You know, and they do it to American children and America's private patients. It's a joke. So some advances have been made to censure the algorithms, which is, is good. It's a concession, and a, it's a qualified concession, and it should go forward. But more must be done to choke these data networks using clandestine property in the quote-unquote due course of business and when a consumer invokes control. So the consumer has a common law ownership of the data they generate, but by tolerating transnational avoidance of this common law and and disrecognizing their property rights, they have gotten away with simply ignoring data property ownership on a bald-faced transactionalism of American data. So uh, they do this because the international exchanges in Asia do not recognize U.S. property rights, and they are, in fact, fine with stealing intellectual and personal property, U.S. COVID-19 benefits, and behaving as fraud actors to enrich individual criminal and personal sorry, individual criminal organizations as well as communitarian governments who oppose these Western principles. Okay, there has been some limited reconnaissance of these personal benefits, U.S. benefits, but not of identity, which was entrusted to the gap-ridden cybersecurity of the Health and Human Services Administrators when it became the same as betraying it into the hands of a hostile foreign government or a global body of criminal contractors. So, foreign nations and global economic enclaves who do not believe in individual sovereignty and personal liberty seek to create a broad overreach, contorting consent into a form of serfdom or ownership and control mechanism that contravenes its original meaning and the legal meaning. So, this is that so that the state may steal or intervene against a person controlling them as a nationalized resource and a currency. So the use of force in the economy is to manufacture a totalitarian control structure that eliminates voluntary participation and consent altogether. And no one wants to live in that world. So let me just, I just wanted to get that out of my face before I continue. So let's go to this next gov article. Well, let's go to the Kochava ruling actually first. Let's do that. Kochava messed up. They're they're trying to make an example out of Kochava. So likely to cause substantial injury. Why the FTC put Kochava in the spotlight when a little known tech vendor came under investigation? 
last week for allegedly selling data that links people to an abortion clinic visit. Uh, it put a spotlight on an industry of jumbled data connections and undisclosed deals. So they're singling out this one business. But there are so many data brokers. So many, for so many years, doing so much worse. But they're going to pick on Kochava. Just to make their case. When a little-known tech vendor called Kochava came under investigation last week by the Federal Trade Commission for allegedly selling data that can link identifiable people to abortion clinics, it put a spotlight on digital ad and data industry driven by jumbled data connections and shielded through undisclosed deals. Amid data advertisers and app mark makers, sorry, Kochaba is best known for providing mobile app and advertisement measurement and analytic services helping apps publishers track and verify the number of app installs that come through valid paid partners. So the advertisers also work with the company to track the performance of their advertising to customize mobile ad targeting to specific groups of people or to purchase Kochava data to add to the information they already have about customers. Now, Kochava is just typical, 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 typical. You know, they're not like super special or anything like that. This is what these third-party tracking um, volumizers do. They just aggregate and disclose and sell those disclosures to others as a marketplace for advertising. There's nothing special about what Kochava is doing here. Kochava is just a normal, normie McNormalson of data brokers and in-between guys selling your data, okay? I just want you to know that there's nothing special about Kochava. If you go to Kochava, if you don't trust your partners and you want raw data to track, it's, it's, it's transactional surveillance. It's data surveillance. And they are not special. There's so many people who do this but they're just zeroing down on this one guy. Okay? So if you go to Kachaba and you don't trust your partners and you want raw data to track mobile app installs and advertising, said a digital ad tech pr practitioner who worked with Kochava on behalf of an advertiser client in the past and asked not to be named in the story. Now the FTC is cracking down on the unintended consequences of that obfuscated chaos. You know... Again, this is crap. This is like a, a government paywall. They just want to take this money and throw it at the treasury, throw it into the debt fire, um, because they can. And it's supposed to look like enforcement. The FT FTC is, is ha and has done and has performed uh, enforcement actions on behalf of privacy, but we have none today, and we continue to have none today, because we're really overlooking this giant elephant in the room, which is, it's all transactional surveillance, and they're actually not dealing with this core problem, which is the monetary model, the, the business model, the business model that monetizes the surveillance. And so, because we're just ignoring the data owner altogether, which I've already said, um, you know, the SEC needs to get involved. Now, the FTC is not going to necessarily pretend that it doesn't have enforcement power. It, it is not the SEC. And the SEC could 
do more on behalf of privacy, but it would mean the end of this dog and pony charade that they call privacy enforcement at the FTC. So right now this is just a giant paywall cash cow for the U.S. Treasury to occasionally just scrape the cream off of Facebook. And what does that look like? Well, let's look at let's look at what they did this week. Let me see. Here we go. Senior Facebook engineers. Let's let's go to our weekly beating of Facebook here. Come on, load. Okay, senior Facebook engineers say that no one at the company knows where your data is kept. Hang on. So there's the Olin Mills photo of uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Two meta engineers were grilled in court about where the company stores all of it, all of its data on users. The engineers didn't know where they could find all a user's data, and they thought no one at the company could know. The transcripts of their comments were revealed in newly unsealed court documents. This was this week. This was Thursday, my friends. Okay? Like, two longtime meta engineers were grilled about how the company stores and keeps track of user data and revealed that they don't believe anyone at the company could compile all the data belonging to a single user, newly unsealed court documents revealed. The two engineers questioned during a court hearing as part of a consumer privacy lawsuit centered around Cambridge Analytica of 2018. Now, keep in mind, Facebook is a government service contractor. Okay, we covered this last week. Government service contractor can't find your data yet will give this data to the government if they pay for it all right so the transcript of the hearing was unsealed recently as first reported by the intercept okay the questioning was and these links are in those those litany of dots underneath the box that says unsanctioned citizen it's in there it's in there the questioning was led by a court appointing court appointed technical expert who was trying to ascertain exactly what information Facebook stores about users and where it is all kept. One of the engineers was Eugene Zerashaw, whose LinkedIn profile says he is an engineering director at Meta and has worked there for almost nine years. The second was Stephen Ilya, who is described on LinkedIn as a software engineering manager who has spent 11 years at Facebook. Quote, I don't believe there's a single person that exists who could answer that question. It would take a significant team to even be able to answer this question. And this is what they always say. This is what Google says. This is what they always say. Especially when it comes to government accountability. All right? They can always find it to sell it to ad partners. But if you talk to them about holding government partners accountable, this is what they say. Every single time. Okay? So... In addition to this, we have Nancy Pelosi, who's slammed the brakes on the progress of the ADPPA, and she says because it doesn't coordinate with California's law. So she's she's playing like, I'm just defending my district. I'm just defending Silicon Valley. They are in my district. I am going to defend them. So because the Federal Privacy Act would preempt state laws, this is what she said, 
including California's robust protections and its ability to continue to innovate with stronger laws, Pelosi has yet to hold a vote on the bill in its current form. Pelosi noted that as the governor, as the California governor and top state leaders have underscored, the ADPPA does not guarantee the same essential consumer protections as California's existing privacy laws. Now that is up for debate because the California Privacy Act does not allow a private right of action. Or limited. It has a limited private right of action and you have to go through the state to get it. So you can't just go to the company you have to go through the state of California to get your justice of any kind. So, um, I mean, you could always sue a company out out of hand as a as a violation of, of civil contract. Um, and I think it it might be time to explore that option because they're not regarding data property. Okay, Nate, I'll take your call. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um... So I just wanted to comment on the F FTC's investigation of Kachava, that article. Um, you know what it really reminds me of are drug busts, you know, anywhere along the southwestern border. So really, isn't it like the same thing? It like, is. Like it really is. We're, we're enforcing, right? Like, just in Albuquerque just last week, like, a drug house got busted, and they're like, this is definitely connected to the, to the cartels. And, you know, there's a ton of fentanyl. Yes, and, it is. Um, <laughs> and then, like, actually just up the street from me, this is, I'm not kidding, two blocks away, and I live in this, I live in kind of a nicer area, and about two blocks to the east of me, another guy was busted with a couple pounds of heroin, a bunch of fentanyl. And, but I feel like, you know, that while like a bust like that may or may not fall in you know you hear about these busts along the border and it's like two pounds of fentanyl was found and all i can think is oh my god if they found two pounds on this person how many others are like you know i mean even the government will say like or some people within right individuals i'll say not the government well, they, 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 they get the pounds. money they they will wait till i had a i had a friend of mine that used to be in a band called the Elephant Ride, and you know when his uh, Sony deal went bust, he actually just picked up a, a little side hustle. He he sold and developed X and got caught, but they only waited until he had, you know, five million buried in his backyard. <laughs> then they went to get him. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, <laughs> well, you know what? Who was I'm trying to remember who was talking about it. Uh, there was an interesting podcast, um, the Concrete Podcast. I don't know if you've ever heard or, or paid attention to that. There was a, an FBI I don't know former. About it. F oh, it's very interesting for a number of reasons, um, which are are too long to go into today. But it was an interview of a former FBI agent, and he straight out said, "Like the way the government works is, it's all about deals." And, you know, basically straight up said they will wait to, you know, build something on somebody and then they want to trade information that they, that person has to get mm -hmm. them to roll over on somebody else. And he's like, the biggest skill in the FBI, it's not investigative. It's getting people to roll over on – basically that's, that's the biggest skill is – what did he say? Source development? 
which is basically <laughs> I'm going to become your buddy until I'm your greatest until I'm your savior right and I'm the only one who can save you therefore tell me everything you know and I, it sounded about right it sounded based on what I That's, know which is it's yeah. a form of ugh it's gross I mean it's 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 this weird um, Americanized form of pally extortion. I, I don't know how it, to. It is. It's like it's the extortion. only thing that separates it is that is that they won't kill you, right? We'll only lock you up for the rest of your life. We won't we won't go after your family. But like other than that, it's pretty much like i mean it's a coercive manipulative uh game and uh, but it but it does remind me i mean this Kochava article that it was like that was the first thing i thought about yeah like, me me too and, i thought about it and it happens within uh and it actually reminded me of a movie great movie a long time ago uh syriana um there's a really great scene in that movie where i mean it's probably the best scene in the whole movie where uh, one guy is going down from a large oil company for uh, corruption, for basically violating, uh, what is it, the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, okay? So he enticed some foreign leader to get an oil deal. And, you know, he's getting busted, but he basically says, like, you know, we have laws against it, so we can get away with it. And to people who don't, you know, it could be confusing if you didn't know what was going on underneath. But basically, he's what he's saying is, you know, I'm the sacrificial lamb to give people the, uh, you know, to give people the impression to give the American people, the uh, mm-hmm. everybody who's watching the impression that this is a legitimate system. We go after lawbreakers, and the rest of the system is clean. And, yeah, um, and and that's just not so, and I'm not going to allow that misnomer to continue. They're avoiding property ownership altogether. They're just avoiding it. This whole, I mean, I the, well, I couldn't saying we can't find uh, it. we cannot find it. We can't find it. So you're telling me a, a nine <laughs> and eleven year engineer, people who know that system better than anybody, uh huh, say that they can't find it. They like, they always say this, dude. They always say this when it comes to government accountability. When when it's the government is the client. If if you can't find it, why are you there? Why are you getting a paycheck? Because to me, if that was your job, if your job is data, and yet you can't locate it, like mm-hmm. how? Well, then if you can't locate it, how? It's can a you lie, Nate. It? It's a lie. I mean, I, I'll but, just clarify that for you. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you in the in the in the speaker column so that we can take Joshua because Joshua's got some cybersecurity experience. Okay. So we're going to make you the next caller, Josh. Hey, Miranda. Uh, my, my experience is spurious experience at this point, but uh, I'm just trying to figure out why are we still funding these huge data centers in the Utah desert? Because it seems like they can't find the things they've meta-tagged. So again, it comes back to a point I made before. Why do we keep funding people that are really shitty at their jobs um, and are building stuff for them? Uh, I mean, if you're inept, like you get no more money. That's how it works. 
And, you know, the CIA budget, what is that? Like, that could go to a lot of good things, like uh, addressing homelessness, perhaps. You know, you know, things that, you know, maybe make life better for a couple Trying of people. foreign interest out of the Americas, like getting those people out of there by, by circumventing, you know, whatever it is their dirt business. Those people could just get magically extracted out of our country, you know, using these these this weird visa system but you know they could also legalize more migration that's relevant relevant migration so that people who want to be here have a legal path but then you know that would destroy something else in the ecosystem that they're using to um start these kind of dirt ball like clandestine wars that no one knows no one knows what they're about Except for the uh, they're about arms dealing. <laughs> oh, mercantilism. Yeah, it's the original fur trade, except for like, hey, we want your resources still, but we're going to give you all these arms if you give us your resources. Did you hear that Zelensky is like going to be the keynote speaker at an upcoming defense contractor symposium? I hope, I hope that, that. Oh my God, I'm just that. Sounds. Like I that. can't wait for this. I can't wait for the GQ, uh, uh, what is it? What is the centerfold of him? Um, <laughs> next to Hunter Biden, it, it's going to be beautiful. Uh, I, I want to see there. that so bad. He's got to be there with like one of the anti-tank uh, missile launchers like on his hip, you know? Like really, that would be appropriate. Because right next to Tony Stark. He's going to have to have need two right. of them. He's, he's Yosemite <laughs> right, Sam of the, of the uh, uh, Ukraine stand. <laughs> he's a hero. We all know. We all know. But we all know that's where, like, anybody. I, I don't. I mean, Nate, can you turn up your volume? Because you're you're oh, low. Sorry. Is this any better? Uh, you sound more dominant now, Nate. Go ahead. Well, no. I mean, you. you at least your your voice is competitive with the others. I mean, it's not more okay. on par. Not sure. Not sure what was going on. Your um, mic is, is so, strong there. Oh. Josh. Okay. Good. Oh. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's anybody who, when we saw, like how quickly that money was approved and how quickly the arms were approved, and then if you looked at a list, like you know, one of the one of my social media posts that I I pinned at the very top is as a link to a list of all the arms that every country every uh you know in the coalition uh pro you know promise to them and i mean it's a freaking arms bazaar like it it's it's amazing it's it's breathtaking really um that you know you could say anything you want about the war like yes it's awful that what ukrainians are having to go through there's no argument about that from a civilian perspective but then when you look how much how many arms were just dumping into this small piece of geography we aren't even tracking them. We yeah, <laughs> don't yeah, know where yeah, else it's going. It's infuriating. There's, there, it makes me, it puts me in touch with my sense of feelings of helplessness about where our arms are going. Mostly I probably to Tibet. I know you feel as strongly about <laughs> Tibet so as Richard Gere. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, before I uh, get get along, I mean, there is actually a, an active campaign. I put it out on the um, on the list, on the update list. There is an active campaign to um, to oppose or strenuously make your voice known that you oppose the PRC's practice of um, 
placing Tibetan children into an, uh, their version of boarding schools. This is what they did with the Uyghurs right before they started cleansing. I was d- listening to Daniel Haifong regarding Uyghurs from his broadcast last night. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think you would benefit from, well, hey, listen, I'm not going to tell you something because you are completely capable of making up your own mind on everything ever. Why don't you um, just say what you're going to say? I <laughs> think, if, I tune into that episode on the Uyghurs because, I mean, there, there might be statecraft in... I'm saying that there is potentially statecraft involved in how we describe the genocide, and I put genocide in quotes, of the Uyghurs, and that there's more questions to be asked, and it's very beneficial for our government if we're going to do another Cold War to make another other for us to focus on when, you know, from my perspective, the Chinese are playing the long game in regards to, hey, you win hearts and minds more with bridges and roads than you do with bullets. But, you know, uh, I'm just saying that uh, we Joshua. need to really... Uh, yes, please, you can interrupt because I'm, uh, I was no, about I was, to say sorry. too much. <laughs> did, you see that, did you see that directly? I, I, I apologize. Or did you see it on Kim Iverson's show? I, I saw he, uh, she had him on. And that's, Nate, that's can you speak up? About. Like, can you turn your volume up or get closer um, to the mic or something? I am directly right next to my mic. Is this any better? Any better? Any better? Hello? A little bit better, marginally better. Okay, Um, so it was on Kim Iverson's show that I uh, that I saw this um, or heard about it. He was interviewed, and uh, so that's that's where I heard about it. And I I wanted to know where Joshua heard about it. It, This was on Daniel Haifong's show from last night. It's called Cold War Brew. So it you know he really tries to throw you off with the name of the show, Um, uh, but. the uh, the thing is, is that he was answering some questions from the audience, and that came up. Also, COVID came up. So I really felt like the nuance that he gave in regards to his response to those, and I consider him somebody that when I think about the Asia-Pacific region, like I tune into. You know? So there's some people that I tune into well, for the Middle sense. East. I people, mean, right. he, yeah, he might have a pedigree we don't. He's been in China. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally, but, yeah. I totally yeah. could get that. Yeah. Um, I listen to a lot of Mike Tracy's stuff, but you know, Cold War Brew might be good for for salt. And um, but you know, it doesn't doesn't take back the experience of those Uyghurs, man. Well, I'm just saying they're hey. they're sitting around in a camp, and and their women are being really brutalized and violated, and in a very terrible way. I mean, the genocide is real. Their children are being taken from them. That that genocide is real. And we don't actually need to marshal more of a case against China. We've got plenty. We're just, we're restraining ourselves for some reason that I'm not really sure about. Now, I think it's, we need to, to back out of any agreements with them commercially. We need to change our trade with with china like do you know how many code reviews we're going to have to do on every piece of code i don't care like, man i mean, uh, I mean they're seem... really hurting well, you're america be on, unlike me you can definitely okay, get a you're job not going to be performing the work either you know unless that's your work you know, like, is that your current work joshua that hey but i'm not going to talk reviews? about the, i cannot no why would i that sounds no, tedious no i mean so fun. why feel their pain you don't seem like a particularly empathetic guy for bureaucrats God, you know does you that make sense uh, 
I, 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 I am not, I am not for full employment, but I am not for drowning governments in bathtubs unless, you know, it is, it's in the, it's essentially the CIA or the intelligence services. Like, I think they should be drowned in bathtubs, but they're better at drowning people in bathtubs. So it's a really kind of a Menachem's razor you to walk when you talk about that. Well, I mean, they seem like they're, they seem out of reach, but I don't I don't think that they are. Um, Do you think that they are failures on purpose? Because that's Chris Hedges and another guy. There's plenty of incompetence to, to be accounted for. That that I believe. There's definitely now there there's there's this thing where they try to launder incompetence as competence. I think launder was the, the right word. I've seen the intelligence community do that a lot, where they they, they try to to you know project a a a mis, like a mystery about themselves or a mystique about themselves when they've done something inordinately incompetent. Um, and they're, they're trying to, just, to make themselves yeah. seem bigger than they are when they've done something totally, totally what's, incompetent what's and illegal. Don't. Don't attribute to uh, malevolence what you can attribute to incompetence. Something along those lines. Well, I mean, there's but, a reason for that statement, and I've, I've, I'm beginning to understand. I see the the truth of it. I'm beginning to, to to really see the truth of it. When when the security state, the national security state, does something inordinately incompetent, um, you know, the for some reason the axe never seems to fall on these on these just lifer bureaucrats no. you know they, they never are excised you know they the get on think never... tanks well i mean they can think tank think tanks is, is a less um i put it in quotes less efficacious position than if they work for the people of the united states I right. think getting them out of government is more important than letting them entertain the delusion that they're being effective or that they're an adequate um vesicle for the people that, that's kind of like your callers sometimes like you just need to get them out you know some sometimes those those callers are pretty rotten but i try to keep it down to a, a, a bare roar so let me get to this last uh white house uh reading section okay so there was a listening session uh on the tech platform accountability do you believe that there will be biden uh, administration tech platform accountability. Well, I'll just read to you this this government statement from September 8th from statements and releases from the White House. Although tech platforms can help keep us connected, create a vibrant marketplace of ideas, and open up new opportunities for bringing products and services to the market, they can also divide us and wreak serious real-world harms. The rise of tech platforms has introduced new and difficult challenges from the tragic acts of violence linked to toxic online cultures, to deteriorating mental health and well-being, to basic rights of America's Americans and communities worldwide suffering from the reach and rise of tech platforms big and small. Today, the White House convened a listening session, just listening, not talking, uh, with experts and practitioners on the harms that tech platforms cause and the need for greater accountability. In the meeting, Experts and practitioners identified concerns in six key areas, competition, privacy, youth mental health, misinformation and disinformation, illegal and abusive conduct, including sexual exploitation, and algorithmic discrimination and lack of transparency. 
One participant explained the effects of anti-competitive conduct by large platforms on small and mid-sized businesses and entrepreneurs, including restrictions that large platforms place on how their products operate and potential innovation. Another participant highlighted that large platforms can cause, sorry, can use their market power to engage in rent-seeking, which can influence consumer prices. Several participants raised concerns about the rampant collection of vast troves of personal data by tech platforms, which we covered during this podcast because they don't know where it is. Some experts tied this to problems of misinformation and disinformation on the platforms, explaining that social media platforms maximize user engagement for profit by using personal data to display content tailored to keep users' attention, content that is often sensational, extreme, and polarizing. Other participants sounded the alarm about risks for reproductive rights and individual safety associated with companies collecting sensitive personal information, and on and on and on. Okay, so there's a list of their approved voices and their trajectory. So they want to stop discriminatory algorithm decision-making. They want to increase transparency about platforms, algorithms, and content moderation sessions. Remove special legal protections for large tech platforms, Section 230. Um, Protect our kids by putting in place even stronger privacy and online protections. Well, the best thing you can do is start owning that data, including prioritizing safety by design standards and practices for online platforms, products, and services. Provide robust federal protections for Americans' privacy and promote competition in the technology sector. So, I'm done being a hostage to the tech platforms, and it's time to just kind of go over to the SEC and see what they can do for us, see what they want to do for us. <laughs> the FCC seems to be a pretty credible outcome, out, outlier, you know, people who are, are doing things over there to close the loopholes, you know, they seem interested Lena Khan is is okay, you know, Alvaro Bedoya is okay, but I think that they're expressly political actors who belong to the to the caveat class of the DSA who've been making money off of privacy for about 20 years now. So while I don't trust them, uh, I trust them to continue to do what they've been doing, which is issue fines and 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 you know and police sounding orders. But I don't think anything's going to change until we start protecting consumer property rights. So so with that, it's been 40, 42 minutes and 58, 59. Does anybody have any final thoughts on this uh, privacy legal roundup for today's sort of AI episode? Nate? Joshua? I'm good. No parting thoughts. Uh, <laughs> just, that, just that, no, I think, I think what you said about really putting the ownership back into the individual's hands is far better than entrusting it to the government and or the companies companies, right either of them right i mean they both have separate but uh equally questionable motives and uh and i think you know it just comes back to who do you want to have power like do you want to give your power away to a company or a government or retain it yourself I mean, that's a that's a very simple, basic way of putting it. I think if you ask people that way, I think the, the answer would be pretty simple and consistent. 
Yeah, and tomorrow we're going to cover, you know, the, this advent of, um, you know, there's a lot of people who call themselves journalists who have access to inordinate amount of um, marketing intelligence because they conduct uh, media and advertising, so they get other side parts of, um, you know, they can run opposition on, on anyone. And so that's how Taylor Lorenz and many of these um, singular journalists abuse their, their journalistic discretion. They abuse the database. Nobody really talks about this, but they will do it on occasion to go track down people, stalk people, um, and, you know, try to power trip. Now, I mean, journalists aren't the only ones who do it. People who have access to the data. It's anyone who has access to the advertising data or to the data in in the company database. And if you can buy it, if you can scrape it, if you can get it uh, illegally, um, you'll be had. So, I mean, there's this, this relevant, you know, generalized anxiety that could be held by the public, which is very daunting is that you know anyone can character assassinate me do they have the right to do that no but you know exploring the idea of character assassination on any one person if they try to assert themselves in a proper way um, we need to just go there so um, you know tackling or attacking someone's policies that's okay that's a professional way of saying, I dissent, I dissent against this line of reasoning, I dissent against this line of, of, uh, of policy, I don't agree with your governance direction, this is the wrong way to go, here's a better way to do things, blah, blah, blah. That's the up and up, above the belt way of fighting. And they don't do that anymore. They, they hit below the belt because it's effective and it, it is, you know, it, it, it makes, it clears the, the way for the train tracks to keep rolling on through. So they will start hitting hard, and they use the same tactics as the intelligence agencies. It's been broadened to people who don't have the ethics or the accountability. And so I'm going to explore not just the feely part of it, because everybody is, is acquainted with what it feels like to be kind of violated and attacked for, you know, kind of left-handed information that they didn't give to anyone. Um, but they need to be—they need to be called out when somebody produces information on a subject, or as they say, a target. Um, there needs to be some way of holding these people accountable, and it's—it's, it's, you know, there's there's ways to do it. So, I, I entertain self-defense at all times. You're you're all you've got, so you've got to be loyal to that number one. At the end of the day, put, put the mask on. Privacy matters because if you don't have it and, you know, someone comes after you, you're going to be defending yourself a lot. And I think the more we strip away, you know, the basic provision of privacy, people are going to start fraying at the edges. And we're already seeing it um, in many ways. So uh, with that, I'm just going to wrap it. Thank you, North, for attending the last, like, three minutes of the show. Miranda? Um, Joshua, Nate, uh, we'll be back tomorrow around this time. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button. 
Remember that callers are welcome. Subscribers can access unsanctioned citizen podcast archives at Substack, Automatic, iHeartRadio podcasts, and call in. Please stay in touch. We want to hear from you. Visit SheilaMDean.com.